Hey folks, Gavin Roth here with another episode of the Influencers of Sponsorship Marketing, sponsored by Elevant, makers of sponsorship software that track, evaluate, and manage all requests for partnerships. Learn more at elevant.co. Bobby Sani is a champion of diversity and growth. And while that could sound lofty, he has the credentials to back it up. Bobby is a leading Canadian authority on ethnic marketing. Together with partner Howard Lickman, he founded Ethnicity Matters in 2013, a multicultural marketing agency dedicated to helping companies drive growth by catering to the unique preferences of multicultural communities across Canada. Prior to launching Ethnicity Matters, Bobby was instrumental in spearheading multicultural marketing initiatives, thought leadership, and successes at Rogers, ICICI Bank, the Ontario Lottery and Gaming Corporation, Canada Post, and Star Media Group. He is also a sought-after speaker who guest lectures at Canadian universities and delivers keynote addresses across North America. We cover a lot of ground in this episode. Bobby shares his career journey, his views on the changing demographic profile of Canada, and how brands should approach multicultural marketing. Some of the work Ethnicity Matters is doing to help sports and entertainment properties attract new audiences. And the personal mission Bobby is on to promote inclusivity in hockey as a passionate hockey fan and a newly appointed Hockey Canada board member. And as always, a couple of rabbit holes like toilet paper and Michael Jordan, separate stories. It was a fun, inspiring, and insightful chat. I hope you enjoy. And for more episodes of the Influencers of Sponsorship Marketing, follow me on LinkedIn, visit Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or check out rothrevenue.com. So, uh, first of all, Bobby, it's an honor uh, to be speaking to uh, Brantford's favorite son there you go uh, yeah um i i must have missed the statue when i drove into town there was one of this other guy uh but but you must your statue must be it's just around the corner way. yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> i didn't know you were a brantford guy it's it's uh, so you're the second most famous no, you well, know, the telephone well, is also from Brantford. So maybe the third because Alexander <laughs> Graham Bell was also from Brantford. So. so are we going Gretzky? Are we stack ranking it? We're, we're power ranking. It's going to be Gretzky, Wally, uh, Alexander and Bobby. Yeah, that, that sounds good. If, if we add one more, it, it might be a good name for a boy band as well. So <laughs> if we can hit five. <laughs> <laughs> we'll work on that. So we we first met. I'm sure we met before that, but we met really in earnest about uh, 10 years ago when we were both at Rogers, which was uh, a place I've, you know, funny, I, I feel like I've said that line with many people. Uh, it's such a big place, but we spent some quality time together there and got to know you a little bit. And shortly after uh, you and I left there, you co-founded Ethnicity Matters uh, with Howard, uh, Howard Lickman, who I've got to know as well and have great respect for. And I followed your your career and your progress uh, from the sidelines since then, partially, partially because I think you're a, just a good dude. And um, and I know I'm not alone there. And, and secondly, because I've just got a keen interest in and appreciation for 
multiculturalism and diversity. So I um, want to just thank you for taking the time uh, to join me. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So um, you've been described as a champion of diversity and uh, what a great thing to be called these days. I mean, that is uh, really an appropriate, um, it's such a great time for the celebration and the championing of diversity. Tell us how you got to this place. What, take us on the journey. Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, you know, the, the champion of, of diversity is, is absolutely great, but I, I also like to think of myself as a champion for growth as well. Uh, and, and I think, uh, you know, when we get into to some of my background and, and my journey and where I'm heading, uh, I, I think you'll see that uh, that piece of the puzzle as well. Um, so I, I got my my start in my career, uh, like most people do in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, <laughs> um, working at the Ontario Lottery and Gaming Corporation. That was actually my first job uh, straight out of university. Uh, and I was there in a brand marketing capacity. One of the first assignments that I had uh, that my my director at the time gave me was, Bobby, you're you're new to Sault Ste. Marie. Why don't you take a drive out in the Sioux, um, go visit some of the sites, go visit some of the lottery uh, retailers, and just observe, learn, tell me what you think. So I did that, drove around, and and one of the things I realized one was there wasn't a lot of other visible minorities in Sault Ste. Marie uh, besides me. People were were absolutely lovely. Um, Northern hospitality is a thing. It absolutely exists. Uh, I, I'm still in touch with so many of the people um, uh, that I lived and worked with in, in the Sioux. Um, but like I said, one of the observations was that the there wasn't a lot of diversity in Sault Ste. Marie. Uh, number two, the marketing department was predominantly based in Sault Ste. Marie. And I had a bit of a hypothesis that maybe some of the marketing messages, materials, um, you know, sales tools, uh, communication vehicles that are being created um, might be created in a bubble and, and not necessarily recognizing that the rest of Ontario and, and, and mostly the, the greater Toronto area uh, is by no means homogeneous. And, and there's a lot of diversity. And, and because of that reason, we need to recognize that um, consumers uh, will react differently to different types of communication messages. So it, it was really a, a two-page summary of my observations. And, and again, my hypothesis was, hey, Ontario is a unique province. We've got a lot of immigrants and multicultural communities. And maybe from a marketing and communication standpoint, we should start thinking about that diversity and how we can cater to it. Pretty simple, based on a very, you know, rational observation, nothing, nothing crazy. And, and my director at the time read it and he said, this sounds so simple, um, but we've never talked about it. And he said, uh, why don't we just keep digging into this? It seems and this like would have been be when, something. roughly what year we're Early talking? Two, the year was 2002. Yeah. 20 Boy. years ago. 20 years ago. Isn't that scary? Anything after 2000 <laughs> is yeah. still 20 years ago. <laughs> Yeah, 20 okay. years ago. And, uh, you know, what, what happened from there very quickly was um, I myself, you know, just just dug right into this topic and I started to learn. I started to to do some Googling uh, on this topic. And then I can tell you back in 2002, there wasn't a lot of companies that were focusing 
on catering to the unique needs of multicultural communities. You know, it was probably a handful of Canadian companies. In the US, there was actually quite a few organizations, especially given the African-American and Hispanic populations. Uh, there was a, a an awareness that, um, you know, there's not a one-size-fits-all for, for customers. And, and in certain cases, we need to speak to them a little bit differently. And what, what happened from there was <clears throat> a two-page summary uh, six months later became a, a 60 page uh, initial strategy document. And, and I can say that I, I really haven't looked back since, uh, and this was 20 years ago. Um, I'd say my career path has been uh, entrepreneurial, even though I, I only became an entrepreneur about nine years ago. Uh, and what that means is I've always gone into organizations and sold them on um, not only my uh, unique abilities, but really about how I could fill gaps for those organizations, how I could uncover new growth opportunities for them. You know, once I left the Lottery Corporation, uh, I spent two years with ICICI Bank. Now, ICICI Bank, for those that don't know, it's India's second largest bank. Um, they opened up in Canada. Um, and it was myself and a gentleman from India that, that actually ran the marketing department uh, for the country. And again, the gap there was you've got an individual that knows the Indian bank and brand from back home, but how do we get Canadians to embrace this brand? Uh, whether they're part of the Indian diaspora or quote unquote mainstream consumers, how do we actually sell this brand? And so they needed somebody that could actually think across you know, both of those wavelengths. Um, from there, I went to Rogers Communications. I went there on a contract. Um, the challenge there was, um, you know, Rogers was great in understanding that, uh, and I'm going to date myself, channel 2 to 28, um, you know, English language channels weren't necessarily meeting the needs of, of all Canadians or all Ontarians. Um, so we started launching channels from different parts of the world, which was great. Uh, but how do we actually communicate this now to uh, prospective consumers um, from, a, from a marketing and advertising perspective? So um, join Rogers uh, and, and really the, the six or seven years that I spent there, I'd say every year my, my role uh, grew from just looking at the television business to looking at you know the entire portfolio of consumer products from a multicultural lens, uh, you know I think when I met you, dabbling in the media side of the business as well. Uh, so great, great learning experience. While I was at Rogers, I, I actually went back to school, did an executive MBA, uh, had an opportunity to study all around the world. Um, so I, I studied in Germany, Hong Kong, uh, Chicago, Miami, uh, Toronto, uh, really looking at cross-cultural business. Um, and I think another interesting thing that happened at that time that I was doing my MBA and I was working at Rogers, I was actually getting a lot of other organizations contacting me, uh, not to offer me jobs or anything like that, but really just to pick my brain and and say, hey, we we see the work that Rogers is doing within this space. You're you're clearly growing, um, you know, as a result of your efforts. Can you can you spend some time and just tell us what you're doing? We just want to learn and. And I, I'd say there was a number of organizations that reached out to me doing this. And I had two people at the time whispering in my ear that I need to quit my job uh, and I need to start my own company. One was my wife who constantly said, you need to quit your job. You need to start your own company. That, and that's other, somewhat rare. That's somewhat rare. It, it <laughs> I, think of, I think of the, the risk 
averse uh, side of the equation sometimes comes from your partner or your spouse, but that's really cool that she would be uh, encouraging you. I love that. Yeah. You know, I, I think she was the original uh, Fred Van Vliet because, you know, the, the whole bet on yourself thing. I mean, she's she's been a proponent of that, I, I think, since I've, I've known her. And I'm uh, sure so women she... love being compared to Fred Van Vliet. So, yeah, <laughs> that must go over well. Yes. She's, she's tough like him as well. And, and uh, she's got a mean three-pointer as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the other um, one? Uh, the other would be Howard, uh, my partner, Howard, um, you, you know, in, another individual that said, you're definitely on to something. There's a need in corporate Canada. Why don't you start your own business? And, and you know, when Howard and I had those conversations, that's actually when the, the, the business started. Uh, you know, it was, well, Howard, you, you know, you're, you're, you're great in terms of uh, motivating me to, to quit my job and start a company. Well, why don't you join me? And, and he actually did. And uh it's been nine years since, uh, and and we haven't looked back. But um, I, I think the the common denominator across the board again is always, you know, finding those opportunities, um, filling those gaps. Yes, being a a champion of diversity, but like I said, also a champion of of growth. Um, you know, one thing I've been able to do consistently is is help organizations grow, and I, I think this field that I'm in in multicultural marketing. Um, that's what it's all about. It's about unlocking new growth for organizations. Uh, and, and like you said, being a champion of diversity. Yeah, no, that's that's great. And I've always thought um, that things like education and healthcare tend to get served up to everybody in a box, right? And yet the challenge with that is we don't, our body composition is different. So we, we receive medication or treatment differently and uh, so following, you know, the same protocols are just not going to work on everybody, but also we learn differently. So the same education protocols, um, the Khan Academy, you, you may have heard of, I'm a big fan of um, what, what they've done because they've created learning for people at their own pace, which I think is, is the, the, such a simple insight, but so important. Um, and so I think about marketing this way, right? Uh, marketing has always been somewhat diverse in the sense that they try different tactics, but but yes, I think it was being served up to a very similar type of audience um, and lacked that diversity, right? And uh, there's there's tremendous opportunity for for the work and the expertise. So I'm not surprised that I've always thought it was it was a no-brainer when you set out and 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 always expected to see the growth that you've you've uh, generated so uh, so kudos and um and, and talk yeah, about you know, one thing yeah. i'll just add to that I've, I've been saying this for 20 years we're just getting yeah. started you know <laughs> we are we are just getting started we we still have not hit that tipping point yet so sure. a lot of growth to come good well. i hope so and and i can see why um mentorship you know i'm, I'm a big believer in that uh topic and uh, theme, um, you know, I know I've been lucky in my career to have had people um, who I've called mentors, and I've been happy to mentor and give counsel to other people. Talk about that topic and maybe who comes to mind. Yeah, I mean, I, look, I would say that I've had a number of mentors along the way and, and continue, continue to have them. And I think uh, mentorship can come in so many different um, capacities. Um, 
it can be in different aspects of life. I mean, I've I've had mentors that have helped me from an educational standpoint. I've had mentors, um, you know, within specific organizations that I've worked for. I've had mentors from a life perspective and just, you know, how do you maintain balance, um, you know, in, in running a business or having a family or, or wanting to do other things that, uh, you know, you're passionate about. Um, so so all sorts of different individuals that that come to mind. I, I think for me, you know, family has always been the starting point. Um, you know, whether that is my my parents, my sister, cousins, my wife, my in-laws. I mean, every everything really starts uh, starts and finishes with the family. And even with with my kids who happen to be very young, um, you know, a lot of guidance and inspiration uh, and feedback that I, I get from them. Um, I, I think from a from a professional standpoint, you know, you mentioned Rogers, and and I will credit Rogers and my experience at Rogers to a lot of of the network I have today. I'd say even some of the reputation that I have today, and just things that I've learned in that company. Um, you, you know, I, I I absolutely owe a lot to that company for for a number of reasons. Uh, you know, the fact that we're on this uh, this call today, I, I you know, I can trace it back to obviously um, meeting at Rogers, meeting at Rogers, and just a lot of the individuals that I had met uh, there as well. Um, you know, when I went back to school and did my MBA, you know, what was so amazing about that was you meet so many new people with different perspectives, different walks of life. And, you know, when you think you know everything or you've met everybody and and you've gotten all the mentorship you need in your life and, and you, you know, new people come into your life, um, you know, I gained so many new mentors there as well. You know, things that I had never even thought about before, uh, from, like I said, from a personal professional uh, standpoint. So I, I, I continue to, um, uh, I'd say, be a, a student of life and, and the people I meet on a, you know, day in and day out uh, ha have been very um, inspirational to me. You will see on the back of my wall. Mm. Though, oh, um, one of the great pictures. Yeah, know, to, to uh, describe it. So it's, uh, it's a picture of Michael Jordan and uh, Kobe Bryant. Uh, at the All-Star Game, and and I can say that Michael Jordan has been probably one of the most uh, influential people in my life. I know I don't know him personally, but uh, obviously admired him as as a child. My my oldest. He was son, your he, childhood sports he hero. Was, he was my guy, um, and and I think in in a lot of ways continues to be, which is why he's he's on this wall. I mean, my my oldest son's name is Jordan. Um, I just feel in, in this picture yeah, in particular. Stacy wouldn't allow me to go with Gretzky for my daughters, uh, so good <laughs> on you. You 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 came out ahead of me. I, I did. I, I won that uh, one. Yeah. But this this relationship, I mean, it, it is mentorship, you know, between Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan. It, it means mentorship. <laughs> it's about competition. It's about leadership. Uh, it's about sportsmanship. It's about brands. No, uh, no, 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 a lot no, here for me. no, 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 I got to stop you there. It's about one thing that is trash talking there. I get for those who could see what's that's MJ looking at the young Kobe going, hey, dude, like next time I'm coming down, I ain't going to go easy on you. I'm taking it to the rack. Uh, you know, and he's having all right. I, I, I haven't had trash talking, you know, as, as part of it. But now when I look at it, I'm going to see that as well. But but that's that's the competitive fire that these two, you know, you that's one thing I will say. I think of those two and I think those are two of the greatest competitors uh, in any platform or walk of life that I've ever seen. 
And and you know a general statement about about mentorship, and I I think you know the relationship between a mentor and a mentee, um, it's the curiosity that comes from the mentee that is so important in that equation as well. Um, if 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 you watched um, you know Kobe Bryant's uh, funeral when uh, Michael Jordan was actually saying oh, a few words, powerful. he talked about Kobe texting him at two o'clock in the morning you know, asking him questions about his game and, and just that, again, that that curiosity and that questioning nature, um, you know, I, I think that's so important between a mentor and a mentee as well, that 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 willingness and, and that that hunger to want to learn more and actually sponge different information from different people. I think it's 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 an important trait that we should well, all have. I love, love, love that. And um, it's a centerpiece of the sponsorship training work I do. We start by talking about the personality traits that successful salespeople, but really it applies to anybody, should have. And curiosity is, I often say, out of the six that I share, it's my favorite. Um, because if you're a curious seller, you'll be interested in learning about the business that you're selling to, the person you're selling to, and it won't even feel like you're selling to them. It'll just feel like you're developing a relationship. It sounds fluffy and cliche, but if you've got to be curious, you've got to be asking questions and listening and learning, and that's about curiosity. So I, I think, I love what you said. Um, and it's a great message for young people. My 23-year-old daughter, who's uh, in her first marketing job now, and we're constantly talking about her experiences. And I said, your job right now is to be a sponge, is to learn, just ask questions and grow. And uh, it doesn't have to be your forever job, this one, but it has to be a place you learn and, and are curious and ask questions. So um, um, very well said. Um, so let's pivot to, you know, so now we're at, you're at Ethnicity Matters. It's been nine years. Um, uh, the name, um, it's such a simple, beautiful name. How did that even come about? And then maybe talk, transition from there to some of the, the work you're doing now. Those, yeah. who, those who don't know much about Ethnicity Matters, right? Yeah, so I mean, first, just to introduce the agency, we are a multicultural marketing and advertising agency um, based in Toronto, uh, really dedicated to helping companies drive growth, um, drive sales by engaging uh, the multicultural and new immigrant communities um, uh, across Canada. Um, now, the, the reason for this existence, um, number one, Canada, we're an aging population, uh, which most people do understand or at least have heard that we're an aging population. Number two, as a country, we don't have enough babies. Um, I've had three in the last 10 years, so I'm doing my part to contribute to growing that Canadian population. Uh, but without people like me, um, and because of those two factors, an aging population and not enough babies, if there was no immigration in Canada, we would actually have a declining population by the year 2031. And if we have a declining population in this country, um, we don't have people doing the work. We don't have people paying taxes. Uh, essentially, our, our whole country, our infrastructure falls apart. So 
first and foremost, I will say immigration matters. Uh, I didn't know this was going to be an, an economics uh, discussion here. No, I'm kidding. Well, I, I can, it's, I, can, it's, I, can I, I have a great on. economics analogy for you. Uh, yeah, stay oh. tuned in, in, a, in a minute on that. But but really, oh, it starts from from <laughs> it starts um, it starts with with that. You know, the the growth in this country is coming from immigrant communities. Um, it's an unstoppable trend, right? And and uh, that's you know one thing that any business in this country, any any institution in this country recognize, has to recognize that that is the growth, where the growth is coming from in this country. Number two, as immigrants come to this country, they bring with them unique preferences. And here's my economics analogy. I wasn't a great student, but one thing I do remember from Economics 101 is that supply and demand is predicated on preferences. And ethnic communities come to this country with unique preferences. So it is our job as marketers, as business leaders, to understand what those unique preferences are and how we can best um, uh, cater to them to unlock that growth. Now, that doesn't mean that everything you do uh, you know, in business has to be uh, you know, in, in a different language or of a different color or flavor or whatever it might be, but it's our job to understand those nuances. It's our, it's our jobs to understand what the customer is looking for. Uh, and, and that is why this, this field, this practice of multicultural marketing exists. It's, it's quite simple. We're here to unlock growth amongst these communities by understanding the unique preferences of those consumers and help, help organizations uh, really shift to unlock that growth. That, that's kind of in a nutshell what we do. That's very, very clear and very necessary. Um, the Give us a couple of your clients that are, you know, been quite active or maybe with you a long time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a, a very broad spectrum of, of clients, um, everything from automotive, banking, CPG, telecommunications. Funny enough, um, you know, spent so many years at Rogers. Uh, Rogers is now one of our biggest uh, clients, um, you know, and we're working with them enterprise-wide right across all their, their various brands, um, uh, working with uh, Ford uh, for a number of years as well. Uh, Kruger Products, one of our longest standing uh, clients uh, in the paper category. And, you know, one, one interesting thing I'll, I'll say is that if you if you look at the the broad spectrum of customer or clients that we work with, um, there's not a single industry out there that I can think of that would not benefit from understanding the unique preferences of multicultural communities. You know, when I talk about Kruger products, it's essentially bathroom tissue, it's toilet paper, and one of the first questions that was asked to me when we you know started talking to this company was. Bobby, it's toilet paper at the end of the day. Why does ethnicity matter when it comes to toilet paper? Well, very simply, if you look at the unique preferences of, 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 of diverse communities from various parts of the world, their interaction with toilet paper or, or cleaning uh, or hygiene is very different. So we have to understand those nuances. And, and it, 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 often it, it's getting that granular and I can tell you, we have done everything from toilet paper to funeral homes, <laughs> right, right, right. That should be. Well, there's your your tagline. That's our tagline. Right. 
everything <laughs> from toilet paper to funeral, to funeral homes. homes. We we have covered it it all. Landed on it, that in this uh, in this interview. I, I'm very pleased. <laughs> it, it's right across the spectrum. Uh, I will tell you the one of the you know what's very gratifying for me though as well is in the world of sports as well and 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 sports and entertainment and our ability to help attract new audiences and new fans uh, new spectators new bums and seats uh again by engaging the growth of the multicultural new immigrant communities that's probably been one of the most satisfying pieces of 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 the job for me just because i'm so passionate about the uh, the industry talk about that yeah um do you find at these companies at Kruger, Rogers, Ford, that there is now a division of mark their marketing team that is leading multicultural, or is it just the marketing team? Uh, so it, I remember at GM, sorry to interject on that. I remember years ago, and it could have been when I was at Rogers, that there was, yes, it would have been that um, the agency that we were working through, McLaren Momentum, talked about a client who specifically had oversight on multicultural marketing. And I love to hear that, but I wasn't seeing that in many other companies. I, I'd say every organization is on a journey. Um, and on that journey, everybody is on different parts. Uh, I, I'd say in, in certain cases with certain organizations, we as an agency are, you know, an extension of their organization. We are their multicultural marketing department in a lot of cases. That I, I can see. I'm, you know, I, that's why you're in demand, right? They need right. it. Yeah, go on. That, and, and that's one end of the spectrum, I'll say. You know, I, I'd say somewhere in the middle is you've got dedicated uh, resources or teams that uh, day in day out they are thinking about how do we better serve multicultural communities to to drive growth and we are working in partnership with them to to help fulfill on that way at the other end of the spectrum and i'd say i've seen this less in canada more so in the us uh, where you've actually got entire business units uh, dedicated to uh, driving strategy and growth um, uh, and, and really unlocking the potential of these communities. I can think of in the U.S., you know, a company like Pepsi that has uh, multicultural business units. I, I, I know companies like uh, Sling or Dish Network that has these, these business units that are dedicated to this growth. So I, I think there is a spectrum. I think from a Canadian perspective, there's, there's different uh, organizations that are, are further along the way than others. But I'll also say there's not a one-size-fits-all. Um, depending on the nature of your business, depending on uh, the structure of your team and the resources, um, there, there's no silver bullet or no one-size-fits-all model. It's, it's actually about being self-aware of what your needs are as an organization and how best to, to capitalize on the opportunity. Um, and just one follow-up on that. Do you see multicultural marketing meaning or being executed or targeting different audiences I think I know the answer to this in the U.S. versus Canada, because in the U.S. I feel like a lot of it would be focused on the Hispanic, um, Latin, Latinx, um, you know, communities. Um, up here, I think it would be um, uh, if you took a, a, a pie chart, a lot of it to Asian and South Asian, you know, communities. Um, is that fair? 
Yeah, so so a lot of differences and a lot of similarities between the two uh, the two countries. Uh, you, you know, you nailed it. Uh, definitely African American and, and Hispanic. I mean, there's there's 40 million Spanish speaking uh, individuals in the U.S. That's bigger than the entire population of Canada, just to put it into context. So, is there a need for Hispanic marketing? Absolutely. Uh, just the numbers don't lie. I think from a Canadian perspective, yes. Uh, you know, much of our growth is being driven by uh, Asian communities. I mean, whether that's, you know, established communities here today or, or really the influx of, Im of immigrants and international students uh, predominantly coming from, um, you know, the South Asian subcontinent and, and, and China. But I'll also say that we as a country are very unique. Um, I think there's there's no other country on the planet like Canada. We We obviously have our uh, our indigenous heritage, uh, which is is something that uh, you know is so unique to our country and has to be recognized by uh, not just corporate Canada but all citizens of Canada as well. Um, we are French, you know, we are a French-speaking country as well. Mind you, not not right across the country in all cases, but the fact that we have a, a significant uh, population that is French-speaking, um, you know, shows how unique we are as a country. We have our own Black history which many people don't recognize. And, uh, you know, based on the business that I'm in, uh, you know, we are a nation of newcomers as well. So, you know, if you look at those four factors alone um, and, and this notion of diversity within diversity, uh, Canada is a very unique country. So all businesses, all marketers, um, you know, all professionals really need to recognize that, that there is not a one size fits all model here. Got it. Now that makes sense. And and I lied. One more on that before we shift maybe to some sponsorship themed and sport, maybe sport and entertainment marketing initiatives you've been kind of connected to. Um, you said something earlier that that resonated how multicultural marketing doesn't have to always mean we're going to put something in a in an ethnic language and put it on, you know, uh, on on print, on billboards, on TV, radio, etc. Um, online. Um, I, I've read before, and I don't know how prevalent it is, so hopefully you have a better sense of this, that when you're an immigrant, and listen, I was an immigrant, although very young, I was seven, we came from South Africa, my parents were in their mid-30s, a tremendous, I never stopped thinking about the sacrifices to come here and leave everything they had built uh, behind, come here with very little because you couldn't come with a lot. They made it very difficult and start fresh in the mid 70s um, with three young children and give us a, a better place to grow up in, right? Um, because remember, apartheid was 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 prevalent then. Um, so, you know, you, you don't need to necessarily, that when you come, you want to assimilate, right? You want to fit in. And so as a new immigrant, um, how important is it to speak to market in the language that they grew up with versus the language they've uh, of the prominent language the prevalent language of the country they live in that that dynamic can you speak to that yeah i will say ever evolving and ever changing as well um you know the the notion of 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 fitting in as well what is fitting in now you know <laughs> i can tell you when i was growing up I would never have dreamed of taking Indian food to school because I wanted to fit in. You know, my children now take Indian food to school for lunch, 
but they also take pierogies for lunch. They also take, um, you know, Chinese food to school for lunch. And not only do they, so do their friends. Um, so, so I think, you know, we have, we as a country, we as people are just evolving and changing and we're learning so much from one another as well. And, and there's all sorts of new norms that are, are, are forming. I think when it comes to engaging, you know, uh, multicultural communities, immigrant communities, and, and, and I'm sorry to sound like a broken record, but we have to recognize that there is diversity within diversity. So I happen to be, um, you know, a, a uh, Canadian born uh, child to immigrant parents from India. So call me a South Asian Canadian or an Indo-Canadian. Well, my mother is also an Indo-Canadian. She immigrated to Canada in the 70s. My wife is also an Indo-Canadian, but she is an Australian immigrant that came to Canada and she is of Indian heritage. So all three of us arguably are Indo-Canadians. What I'm going to buy and where I'm going to buy it and how I'm going to buy it and why I'm going to buy it is going to be very different than my wife or, or my mother. So we, we can't necessarily paint everybody with the say, same brush. We can't just assume that if we communicate something in Hindi or Punjabi, or if we uh, you know, have the number 888, we're gonna engage Chinese communities, or if we paint something red, it's auspicious and therefore they're going to buy it. That is too simplistic, right? We have to get really granular. Uh, about these communities. We have to understand really what's beneath that iceberg. You know, what are the, the values? What are the assumptions? What are the, um, the trends that are actually going to affect, uh, you know, that, that purchase decision? I often say that, you know, forget about ethnicity, forget about, you know, the, the usual cultural cues that we're thinking of. If you look at the immigrant communities, um, they have more children than the general population. I talked to you about, uh, you know, we're an aging population, but it's actually the immigrant communities that have more children than the general population. So if you are a brand that is dealing with uh, families and children and you're not speaking to the immigrant communities, you are missing out. If you look at the, uh, the, the average household size in Chinese and South Asian households alone, Again, larger than the general population, not just because of more children, but more extended families as well. You've got right. grandparents, you may have uncles, aunts, cousins, whatever it might be, living in the same house. We have to understand that dynamic as well. Because if you are in the bums and seats business, if you yes. are in the food business, you know, for I look at it as it's more bums and seats, it's more share of stomach, more share of wallet, um, you know, Let's start at that strategic conversation before we start, you know, saying, well, if we say Happy Chinese New Year, maybe we'll get the sale. Like there's different layers to this oh, conversation. Well and, yeah, and, and we're oversimplifying it if we just look at those type of cues. Love, no, that makes a lot of sense. And I've often, one of my absolute pet peeves in marketing and, and because I've spent a lot of time in media as well as my sponsorship experience is the dreaded, 18 to 34 year old, the 18 to 40, the 25 to 54. Are you kidding me? You're telling me an 18 year old is consuming things and thinking about things the same way a 34 year old is. So, you know, you've really, to your point, you've got to get granular. And it is about, you can't just judge people by their age in that 
example, by the color of their skin, uh, by their ethnicity. It's got to be about their behavior, their interests, right? Their interests down to the level of their interests and their consumption habits uh, and learning about those, I imagine, which I'm sure a lot of the work you do is rooted in some form of research and studies. But, you know, the beauty to that, you know, you gave that broad range, you know, 18 to 34, you know, how do you reach those people? There's just, there's a, a infinite number of ways to reach those people. and They're not all going to be the same. I think the beauty of multicultural marketing What's great about it is we've been able to take certain common denominators amongst different ethnic communities as a starting point to try and uh, figure out, you know, what is important to these communities. So whether it's looking at passion points, whether it's looking at, you know, geography, where do they live within the country, whether we're looking at media consumption habits, um, we can actually take the guesswork out of, of trying to find these cohorts of people. Which for me, you know, I, I at the at the top I mentioned the work I do. It's all about growth, but it's also about efficiency as well. I think there's there's a, a a lot of efficiency that you can gain by looking at communities when we target them in this way, and uh, that's why I'm a big uh, a big advocate for the work that we do. No, oh, great. Um, so this is a at its heart a sponsorship, and you know, by some extension, a sport marketing podcast. Um, can you talk about maybe some of the sponsorship marketing initiatives, sponsorship related initiatives you've helped connect some of your brand clients to? Yeah. Yeah. Let me let me first uh, start off by saying I, I've never considered myself a sponsorship marketing guy. The however is I absolutely am one because yeah. at the heart for me, I'm all about partnership and, and I'm all about how can different people, different organizations and entities come together with a common goal and, and leverage one another's um, strengths to, to deliver su successful outcomes for everyone? And I think at the heart, that's really what sponsorship is. It's a partnership. Um, you know, I've, I've been very um, uh, fortunate to be able to work with uh, brands that are invested in sponsorship. I've been able to work on the, you know, the property side as well um, uh, in, in, with organizations that are not only looking for uh, brands to work with, but also looking to engage new audiences. Um, but I've also been able to be, let's call it associated with different um, uh, passion points as well that, again, bring different uh, groups of people together. And, and I've had all sorts of different experiences on, on that front. Um, I think one of the one of the areas that we've had a lot of, I'd say, experience in 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 bringing these worlds together. First and foremost, I'll say it's it's the sport of cricket. Um, you know, you know. Funny enough, I I never I never ever uh, watched or played or consumed the sport uh, in any capacity uh, until 2007. That's when I got married to an Australian. And, and that's when I was introduced to the sport. I, I, I love it now. Uh, but I also see so much potential for it in Canada as well. And I think what we've been able to do in, in the area of, of cricket, again, taking the sport, firstly, that, that unites so many different ethnic communities. Um, that are, uh, call it, not normally part of the, the sports conversation in, in Canada, whether it's people uh, from India, Pakistan, Sri Lanka, Bangladesh, uh, the Caribbean, 
um, various African nations, etc. You know, it's 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 all these different communities that this sport uh, unites first and foremost. Absolutely on a growth trajectory uh, in this country, and we know that brands are also trying to engage these communities. So the sport of cricket has been, and and sponsorship of cricket has just been such an amazing way to to bring all those pieces together, right? Bring new people uh, to the party, uh, bring brands in into the equation, and then have this sport or this passion point uh, unite people. Uh, I think that's been really interesting uh, for us. I'd say one of the areas of interest for me on a personal level too uh, is in the area of, of soccer as well. I think there's there's going to be tremendous growth for that sport, especially in the years to come. And again, from a multicultural or a newcomer perspective as well, um, a, a lot to consider there as well. Um, you know, you you and I had the opportunity to work on golf, um, you know, with Golf Canada many years ago as well. And I think what was interesting in, in that scenario you know, sponsorship need not always be about, you know, writing a check and, and you know, getting your, you know, your your brand placements. Again, when I when I talk about partnership, you know, that was an opportunity for us to bring media partners to the fold that we're looking for, um, you know, to connect with, you know, a, a B2B audience, as an example, uh, or an organization that was trying to engage new um, again, new bums and seats or new ticket sales. I think we've 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 had a great opportunity to be, I think, at the center of of driving these partnership um, discussions, and and that's been across sports, entertainment, live entertainment, uh, e- even causes and 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 um, uh, charities and nonprofits as well. We've just had a a, a really good experience in, in bringing all these pieces together. I like how you've touched on it's not just about finding the brand fit for a property. It's about helping the property grow. We all know every property, and that's the business I'm primarily in. My day job is about helping properties generate more revenue. You've hit on, obviously, such a key part of that, and I'm a big advocate for it, is reaching out to new audiences. When I was at Golf Canada as their chief commercial officer uh, in, in the mid-2010s, uh, mid to late 2010s, it was, it was um, that is a sport that desperately needs to, you know, sure, Tiger helped the sport climb out of its, you know, pure white, you know, kind of stage, but it barely scratched the surface. I mean, you think, it would. You think a, a guy like that would, would have changed everything long term, but there's a lot of work to do and a lot more different uh, ethnicities and groups that need to be welcomed into the sport of golf. Um, and uh, But I think it starts with seeing heroes, right? Seeing heroes like the two behind you in that picture, being inspired by those heroes. Cricket certainly is a sport that's, um, that's uh, got heroes and and i agree i've i've worked on the gt20 here while you were talking i will say because as i said i'm from south africa i've retained even though i came at such a young age a passion for rugby and for cricket and i unfortunately checked the world rankings and um tell your wife um australia is number one in the current test rankings uh, India is three and South Africa is four. So um, very disappointing to me that I'm pulling up the rear. 
there. But actually, I was a little surprised that Canada, that uh, South South Africa was as highly ranked. Uh, I thought we had fallen back in cricket. We got to get Canada up there. That's, that's yeah, we got to get Canada up there. Yeah, the great, great developments on the on the soccer front in that respect. I'm yeah. I'm sure you're following that pretty closely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Um, so I feel like we've touched on this a little bit, but maybe anything you wanted to get back to as we kind of move into the final stages here of our chat is, you know, just any thoughts and insights of what works, what doesn't when it comes to brands and engaging multicultural audiences. And I think, I feel there's a lot wrapped up in your answer about there's diversity and diversity, right? But, but maybe... Can you tie it back to maybe what what uh, sport and entertainment properties could be doing or doing well and might be might need to do better? And maybe it's it's again tied up in that 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 theme. Yeah, I, I think I think going back to my banking days, you know, there's the term KYC, know your customer, and, and I think um, you know not just not just properties, but really all. See, I got it wrong. I thought it was kiss your customers. So I got fired a couple of times. For that yeah, well, yeah. You got to learn the hard way, right? <laughs> um, no, I, I think you really have to know your customer and, and I'll, I'll use sports as, as an example, uh, you know, whether it's, let's take ice hockey as an example. Let's take football as an example. If you look at the influx of immigrants that are coming to Canada today, you know, from India, China, and the Philippines, these are not ice hockey playing nations. These are not, uh, you know, football playing nations. Um, so number one, you've got some work to do to introduce the sport to those individuals that are coming from those countries. Now, that being said, again, layer on different insights. Well, these are also communities that have bigger families. These are these are communities that really value that that family bond and experience. So maybe it's not having a passion for, you know, going to a, a CFL football game because they love football, but maybe they want to spend time with their family. Maybe they want to go experience something that is very Canadian. Um, you know, how can we tap into these unique insights about these communities and, and go beyond kind of the obvious uh, of what we know? And I, I think, you know, my advice for any marketer, any any business leader is, is really to get to know your customers a little bit better. Um, let's get out of this, you know, one size fits all um, type of model and understand that we all have unique preferences uh, and let's tap into them. Now, that doesn't mean that you're going to end up with 20,000 different marketing campaigns to reach all these different people. You will absolutely find common denominators and patterns once you start digging into the information. Um, so I, I think that is is one of the you know uh, general statements that I, I will make. Uh, I, I think everybody should really be motivated by the growth potential. Uh, you know, that is in the last two years, I'll say, you know, with COVID and the racial reckoning, there has been such a tremendous focus on equity, diversity and inclusion amongst organizations. And it's very important. I and I, I would say that a lot of those conversations, though, have been very much an inward journey for organizations, right? Thinking about um, uh, their their policies and procedures, thinking about uh, how do we make uh, the workplace more equitable. 
the other piece of that equation, which I'm excited about, and I want other people to get excited about it as well, is there's a tremendous growth opportunity. So let's actually have that outward conversation as well and recognize that there's over a million newcomers coming to Canada in the next three years alone. What are we going to do to turn them into customers or fans uh, of our, our, our respective businesses or our sports or our properties? Like that should be for me, like that's the North Star in a lot of cases, that this is a growth opportunity. Uh, Mark Pritchard, who's from, you know, the global brand, uh, chief brand officer for B&G, says that you can be a force for good while being a force for growth as well. And I think with multicultural marketing, with the work in diversity and inclusion, that is really what we can do. We can do a lot of great work, but we can absolutely grow business together as well. So that that's that's good. for me. Yeah, yeah, no, that's good. Um, do you just just following up on that? You know, everybody's trumpeting EDI, EDI, EDI. Do you feel there are some mistakes, some traps there? You know, I I've always thought about social um, um, responsibility and initiatives like EDI, you've got to lean in in a very authentic way and you have to make sure you've earned the right, I think as well, to have the conversation. Uh, you can't just step in and say, we're here, right? You've got to demonstrate through action. Um, are you seeing, you know, and I haven't stepped back and, and looked at it critically, but I'm sure if I did, I would probably find a few, um, a few mishaps there, right? And I don't want to spotlight the negative, negative oh, here. No. But, 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 what are your thoughts on that? I think in general, again, uh, it's a journey, right? This yeah. is a journey that organizations are on. Um, this is not a topic that is, you know, uh, you know, in vogue today and it's gone tomorrow. Like it's here to stay, especially as we become more diverse, as we become multicultural. Uh, organizations need to be more aware uh, of, um, of of these topics. I, I will say, you know, one of my critiques of the topic is a lot of times we're hearing the same thing over and over again. We're not driving towards solutions. We're not innovating on the topic. We're not changing the narrative. Um, which is why I think for, for myself personally and, and professionally as an organization, you know, we are part of that conversation, but we're on one end of the spectrum, which is really focused on let's recognize diverse communities as important consumers, first and foremost. Uh, and then let's figure out how we can better service those consumers, not just to drive growth for our businesses, but actually how can we actually make things more equitable? How can we actually better service them as, as people? And I think that's where, for us, it's been exciting conversations. Um, you know, the, the conversations I have with CEOs and CMOs, you know, the, the feedback I get is, you know, Bobby, this has been a great conversation because we're not talking about the same thing. Um, and in a lot of cases, it, it's identifying that there is a problem. And, and I, I, there's absolutely a problem out there. Um, but to keep saying there's a problem, there's a problem and not moving past, well, how, uh, what are we going to do about the problem? You know, I feel as an organization, 
in, in our own unique way, we're doing something about it. We are helping corporate Canada recognize diverse communities as important oh, customers. Amen. Amen. Right. You are. Yeah. So so for me, that that's been, you know, very important. And 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 I think if we can get more organizations, more individuals to start looking at at solutions and how do we move things forward, um, I think that's when we'll see see some real progress. And and I don't want, you know, I don't want to see a day where companies are afraid to get into it because uh, uh, and fear the repercussions and therefore stay on the sidelines. I'd rather see companies take risks, measured, um, wade in. You know, I don't think it's that should be deemed a risk, but wade into these waters of of um, you know celebrating ethnicity and and multicultural marketing and be open to making some mistakes, but but then be authentic on how you address it and and learn from it because uh, I think any change is is going to be a bumpy journey back to the word you you use right and and I think again self awareness and authenticity is so important um, you know I, I I remember there's a an agency in the U S that posted on their website basically it was almost like a declaration to their their current um, clients and and prospective clients that. We have never in our history thought about EDI. Like they were very clear on that. It's never been a topic of focus. We've never discussed it at all. We didn't know what we didn't know, but now today is day one. And, Be honest. And and we think it's an important uh, conversation, and we're on a journey. And it, it was almost like their that was their declaration that we are on this journey as of today, and. Um, Stay tuned, basically. Yeah. And I, I thought putting that was themselves such a great out there. Thing. Yeah. yeah, it was. Yeah. It was great, and it was. And honest. I'm sure their employees, many of them, felt very proud about that. Their employees should. Their clients should. Their prospective clients should, because you can't get any, any more real and authentic than yeah. saying, I, "I don't know this, but I'm going to try and figure it out. And if I make some mistakes along the way, please forgive us, but we're 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 working at it. I think it was it was brilliant to do something like that. Yeah, I applaud that more than yeah. not trying at all. hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. I'll get you out on on this, um, you know, two 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 things. Um, one is hockey Canada, you're on the board. Uh, loved a piece I saw on you where you said you feel like you're playing for Team Canada. Um, is there any kind of initiative that you want to just highlight or initiatives that you're involved in to help? Because hockey has been, the NHL has been very out front saying yeah. we, we need to make hockey more inclusive. I, I think it's it's been, you know, my time on the, the Hockey Canada board to date has just been great because it, it's, this is a personal mission for me, right? I mean, I, I'm a, I'm a lifelong fan of the sport, um, uh, I only started playing the sport at a very uh, late stage in my life. And when I look back, you know, at, at at my childhood, my reasons for not playing, one was, well, my parents didn't know anything about the sport. They weren't, you know, uh, introducing uh, me to it. I, I couldn't skate. Um, you know, there was a number of reasons why I didn't play at the time. Now that I, I mean, I only started playing when I was 35 years old and, and it is, changed my life I'll say I, I I love every aspect of it my kids play now I'm a hockey dad I'm on the bench with them as well my wife who's Australian has become a hockey mom it, it's just changed our life and and I want 
I, I, there's no reason why you know every Canadian shouldn't be playing the sport in some capacity, whether it's on the ice, in the driveway, like I did playing street hockey, um, you know, playing sledge hockey, whatever it is. Uh, it, it's just a it's a fantastic sport, and I think for me, I'm on a, a bit of a personal mission to help grow the game. Uh, and diversify the game and, and let people know that, uh, you know, I want them to know what they're missing out on. Um, so, you know, from a, from an initiative standpoint, it, it's really, you know, at the board level, it's about having discussions on on how we grow, uh, on how we continue to grow the game, make it more uh, diverse. And, and um, you know, it's a great journey to be on with, uh, with that team as well. Good stuff. Um, final thing is professional development advice for anybody looking to build a successful career like uh, Bobby Sani. What 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 are what have some of the keys been? You know, I I one thing I will toot my own horn on. I'd say I've I've been pretty good at maintaining relationships, and I think I think relationships are so important, and everybody should recognize, especially when it comes to business. Or from a career perspective, um, you know, don't ever be short-sighted and think that um, you're not going to see or interact with the same people ever again. Uh, Canada is a small country, but we also live in a very small world. Uh, you know, it's cliche to say, but it is a very small world, and and the, just the number of occasions that I can tell you that I have either met or interacted with people on a repeated basis. Um, you know, everything from one of the best stories I have is I, I spoke at a uh, at an MBA class uh, once and and uh, was a bit of a mentor to one of the students. That student became my client years later. Uh, you know, and, and, and there's all sorts of uh, situations like that I can refer to. But I overall, I would say, um, really your your relationships are like gold they they have a lot of value nurture them um you know always be in touch with people and i, I think you know they, we talk about the importance of networking i think you know networking isn't just knowing people it's it's the ability to add value to a network but also extract value so for myself it's always been you know, I'm the multicultural guy. I'm the diversity champion. If you have any questions on this topic, if you need any help on this topic, um, you know, without expectations, you should be calling me. And, and I hope that's what my network knows about me. But in the same regard, I know when it's, you know, sponsorship, I know Gavin's my guy, you know, and, and I can go through all my other contacts of, of people that I know uh, of, of who to call and, and when. And, and I think that's what, you know, being part of a network is really all about. Again, being self-aware of, of what you're good at, what you're not good at, and who to call when you when you need help with uh, with various things as well. That's the importance of networking to me. That's great. And if you ever need advice on making a good, healthy smoothie, I'm also your guy. I've come up with a, I don't want to promote it too widely. I'm probably going to take it to, you know, sell it, uh, uh, create my own YouTube channel, but that that's something else that I can also be helpful. I, I actually, uh, Gavin, I did uh, I did want to talk shop for a minute, and I, I don't mind if that this is being recorded as yeah. well. So my daughter just started walking this week. What's the sponsorship potential for her? Is there anything we can line up for her? Yeah, yeah. Like uh, slap a sandwich board on. It would be my first bit of advice. And so two-sided. 
And, um, you know, we can do maybe a valuation for you on how much you can sell her. You know, I'm all for exploiting young children. Yeah, for sponsorship. So I'm glad you're on board. Listen, it's been a wonderful conversation and um, I thank you for doing this and I will continue to follow with uh, interest and excited for your continued growth. I appreciate it. Thanks. It was a lot of fun to chat. Thank you.